Welcome to Screen Cleaning. My name is Jeff Simpson. And I'm Cole Wissinger. We are here each and every week on BYU Radio at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific to give you the very best in entertainment. Because we love entertainment. We love movies. We love TV. We love music, Jeff. Absolutely. And music is going to play a big role in today's show because Cole and I are going to be going back to high school in a way. We're going to be compiling a bunch of songs that if our high school experience had a soundtrack, these songs would be on it. The high school movie is a staple of American cinema, and so we're going to kind of build the soundtrack to go with it. Those movies were so important to my high school experience, I got to tell you. Anyway, we want to start out with some good entertainment news. As we always do. And this one has more of an asterisk because not only is it not a sure thing, but I want to explain why it could be a good thing. Okay. So Disney has has come out and said, we're exploring the idea of doing a sequel to the live-action Aladdin, which was a huge hit, made a billion dollars worldwide. As we talk about at the end of every show with the box office of the summer, Aladdin has kind of dominated. Will Smith's biggest inter- I mean, hit worldwide, anyway. <laughs> and uh, I think it could be a good thing because... Now they can get away from the source material or really the the original 93 version, right? Yeah. And they can do their own thing. I think this could be really good for them to do their own thing and be untethered and just go for it because there were some really good things about Aladdin and I think this can only help. My least favorite parts of Aladdin when they were just rehashing the movie I've right. already seen. My favorite parts were when they took some creative license. So if a whole movie is going to be creatively different, maybe not based on the two direct-to-video sequels that we did get to Aladdin, right? that's a good thing. The other piece of good news or that could be good news is we got a trailer for one of the new Apple TV Plus shows called The Morning Show. It's just another edition in an ongoing saga of... Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! Uh, it's this week in DC Streaming. News. <laughs> yeah. It, I created that little thing because it seemed like every single week we were getting new DC news. Um, now it seems like we're getting new streaming news every single week. The morning show is new to or will be new to Apple TV's streaming service that we really don't know anything about yet. But I think the, the reason overall Apple TV Plus could be a good thing is that they're saying that it's going to be family friendly content. So you're probably not going to see a lot of nudity or hear a lot of F-bombs which a lot of people are criticizing it for. But I say good on you, Apple TV+. Plus. We will keep our eyes on it. Right. And it might be enough to get me to subscribe, Cole. We will see. And then in actual DC news, James Gunn, director of The Suicide Squad, was asked if we could see the new Batman. We know that Robert Pattinson will be playing him in his Suicide Squad movie. His quote was, you can check out Batman in The Batman, June 2021. Whoa. The Suicide Squad will feature mostly... You know, the Suicide Squad. That doesn't give us any concrete <laughs> answers. Which I loved, but it does tell us what we already know. Sure. Cole, I want to see how well you know your 60s movies. Oh, it's the 60s already. Yes. As we kind of go backwards in this CNN The Movies I don't understand series. the ordering of these episodes, but it's been a great, uh, fun experience watching The Movies, the miniseries on CNN. Sure. And I have some great trivia questions for you this time. Some Excellent quotes by the people that were interviewed. Um, let's just start with, do you happen to know the name of 
the screenwriter who was blacklisted. No. He was the blacklisted oh. writer of Spartacus. Uh, was it Trumbo? That is correct. Because there was a movie about him. Played by Brian Cranston. That is correct. Good for you. If you, I mean, honestly, if you asked me, name a screenwriter from the 1960s. That's probably that's the yeah, only one I yeah. think I got. So Steven Spielberg said, this is the movie that made me want to be a filmmaker. Aw. Think of big, epic movies. Lawrence of Arabia? That is correct. Ooh. Yeah, he absolutely loved it. Um, speaking of influences, uh, Cameron Crowe said there would be no Jerry Maguire if it weren't for this movie. It was a Best Picture winner. Black and White, starring Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine. From 1960, possibly? Was it The Apartment? That is correct, Cole. Ooh. You are on a roll. Why couldn't I have done this good in the decades I was alive? <laughs> yeah. during? Here are a couple about the same movie. The audience was screaming to such a degree that you couldn't hear the soundtrack. Was it a Hitchcock movie? Yes. This was it the Hitchcock movie? Of the 1960s? Psycho? That is correct. The one also. with the soundtrack? This quote comes from Peter Bogdanovich. And, uh, you know, just as uh, just to, to kind of close up this discussion on the 60s, another thing that they said about Alfred Hitchcock and Psycho, somebody said, imagine if today it was announced that Steven Spielberg was going to do Bride of Chucky. That's what it was like for Alfred Hitchcock to announce that he was doing Psycho. He wasn't known for doing like these schlock type horror movies. Which horror of like if you put ourselves back in the year 1960, horror was pretty much only schlock. Right. So they didn't the studios did not want to fund him. So he paid for it himself and he laughed himself all the way to the bank. And the greatest movie of all time. Wow. Wow. One, one of my favorites. That's high praise, Cole. Well, when we return, Cole and I are going to get into that uh, previously mentioned discussion of our high school soundtracks. You're going to get to know Cole and I a lot better right when we come back. This is Screen Cleaning. Hey, Jude, don't make it Welcome back to Screen Cleaning. Cole and I are going to be talking about sad songs or making them better and uh, letter out, letter in. Um, We're going to be talking to high school soundtracks. If we had a soundtrack to our high school experience, what would it sound like? Yeah, I I saw a Richard Linklater movie over the weekend, and we're going to do our movie reviews after this little discussion. Mm -hmm. And he directed Dazed and Confused, which for my money is the best high school movie soundtrack ever put together. Wow. It's got sweet emotion, schools out. I'm pretty sure every high school movie actually is mandatory to have schools out in it at <laughs> It some is point. a great song. Free Ride, Low Rider, um, Fox on the Run, just rock and roll all night, Be- just captures the 80s. When I think of the 80s and what school was like, Dazed and Confused is what comes to mind. Sure. It had to have been like that. But yeah, will that mirror the soundtrack that you would have had in high school? And we started off with Hey Jude because that was a very important song to me in high school. Not just Hey Jude. Because Jeff graduated in the 1960s. Yeah. The the music of the Beatles in general, that was when around the time when the album One came out. And these were this was a compilation of all of the Beatles' number one hits, Hey Jude, of course, being on there. 
And I had it in my six disc changer in my Honda Del Sol, <laughs> which was a convertible. I was so proud of, and、uh, I loved this song so much that I used it two different times in、uh, assignments in high in high school. Both my senior year, once I did a parody of Macbeth, and I had I. People were clapping and cheering, and I. So instead of、uh, let、uh, let her out, let her in, I said, "You stabbed him out. You stabbed him in, Macbeth. <laughs> you sinned." And then one、Blubber. more time、uh, for my senior recital performance, I sang, "Hey Jude." Nice. And this came to me recently when I saw the film yesterday. You know that alternate universe where what if the Beatles didn't exist, but one guy remembers them, and. When he goes to record this song, the record producers are trying to convince him to call it "Hey, Dude." That would be much more appropriate. And、uh, yeah, Beatles. That would definitely be on my high school soundtrack. And and I've got a Beatles entry myself here, Jeff. My parents were in high school in the 1960s, and so I grew up with a steady diet of the Beatles. They're definitely my mom's favorite band. My dad's favorite musical artist, I think, is probably Neil Diamond. And、oh, so、okay. when I was in high school,、um, I had, I think I had just graduated when Neil Diamond came out with an album where he covered a certain Beatles song. And this was definitely in my. Let's see, I had a 1989 Oldsmobile Cutlass Calais. Whoa! That only had a tape deck, and so I had to get like a little CD adapter, or、yeah. you know, a little. I got one of the the tapes that you stick in there, and it's got an aux cord that comes out of it. That I could plug into my iPod. Yeah,、uh, this Neil Diamond album was definitely playing in my car. You know, speaking of tape decks, you're gonna you're gonna notice a theme in my picks for my high school soundtrack because I wasn't listening to a lot of the modern music of the time. I was putting in cassette tapes into the stereo and taping songs off of. The oldie stations. Oh, that's what we did, yeah. And back in the day, oldie stations would play songs from the fifties and the sixties. Nowadays, it's、the、more like the eighties. <laughs> but、uh, yeah, and there's, I mean, there's no better indication of that than my next couple of songs.、Um, when I was in high school, I was obsessed with trying to create my own. Big movie moments. Something I'd love to talk more about on another episode of the show. Just these these big iconic scenes and movies that we remember. The type of scenes that you would forget about all the other movie. I just want to fast forward to this scene so I can watch it over and over and over again. Back when you had to do the painstaking work of rewinding, rewinding and fast and forwarding, fast forwarding. and、yeah. it always rewound and fast forwarded faster if it was stopped. But、Absolutely. then you couldn't actually see what was going then on, was so then、guesswork. it was a guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was competing in this Mr. Knight competition my senior year,、mm-hmm. and Mr. Knight is basically the male version of Miss America, and on a high school level, <laughs> right? So I was competing against. Jocks and other goofballs like myself. Wait, Jeff, you weren't a jock in high school? No, I、oh. was the choir drama <laughs> geek, and I thought, you know, I 
I'm probably not considered the best looking guy or not even the most popular guy. I'm not even sure how I was voted into this competition, <laughs> but I'm going to win this sucker. So I thought if I'm going to do that, I need to make them laugh. I need to wow them. And so I just came out on the stage and I said, you know, I've got this talent during the talent section. I don't really know if it's a talent because it's involuntary. When I hear music, my body just starts to move involuntarily. And then I had the people in the tech booth play this song. And I pretended as if my body was just involuntarily moving to the song. And I was kind of looking at my limbs like, oh, my gosh, what is going on type of thing. And I was starting to get more distressed and uh, I don't know what to do about this until... I start to enjoy myself, and right about here, I just fully give in and let my body take over. And then a friend of mine comes out on stage and says, Jeff, this is this is lame. Do you have anything else? And I say, well, I did have one other thing. And the curtains start to part. And about 30 of my drama friends start coming out dancing to this song. And at a certain point of the song, a couple of the friends run down off the stage. And I go to the foot of the stage. And I have them lift me up and carry me around as I'm pointing to the people in the audience. I need you. I need you. And to finish it off, how fitting, we threw out dozens of little mini Reese's peanut butter cups to the audience. That is a great way to get the people going. And it worked because I won the competition and I'm crowned Mr. Knight. Well, if this is your high school movie, of course you won the competition. But did you really win in real life? Uh, Well, I got the girl, I guess you could say, (laughs) many years later. That first song you heard, Heaven Must Be Missing an Angel, Again, these songs are not in the era that I grew up in, but still ones that I just loved. That's all right. Yeah. While you were competing in competitions, Jeff, I was at home playing video games. But once in a while, uh, you know, just one kid playing Madden or Super Mario Brothers constantly doesn't make for a good movie. I would go and play them with my friends as well. And the video game that we played the most often when we partied together was Guitar Hero 3. Oh, uh, this is The Killers. This one is The Strokes. Oh, The Strokes. I'm sorry, The Strokes. And this is Reptilia. I could have listed any one of the songs from Guitar Hero 3, but this one especially, Jeff, I could put my back to the television screen and still play this one. Orange, 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 yellow, red, 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 Like, I can still, my fingers still do it automatically. Man, that takes me back. It was kind of easy. It was so, an easy song. Paint It Black was a great one to play on Guitar Hero. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it wasn't Welcome to the Jungle on there. There was some Bon Jovi. was on the second one, okay. I think. So um, what's interesting about this is I discovered that album toward the end of my high school career. And it was one of the, I remember it being one of those rare CDs where you can listen to the entire thing. And just one song after the other was just such a good song. Hit that, after hit. Do you have any other CDs that are like that where you will listen to every song on there? Because the whole thing is, it's just a whole, a whole experience. Ooh, that is a tough challenge. The Beatles' one album is close for me. Okay. That's, that was actually, I'm glad you mentioned it at the beginning because that was the very first album I ever bought. The first CD yeah. that I bought 
thought in my life was the Beatles one. But like Long and Winding Road and like Oh, I love that song. Ballad of John and Yoko. Beautiful. Once it gets to the late Beatles, okay. I do start skipping ones. Um are you familiar with the the album Gosh, I want to say it's like first band on the moon, the Cardigans. Okay. I can listen to that from beginning to end. I love it. That's the one that has Love Fool on it. Love me, love me, say that you love me. That was also important to my high school experience. Okay, so that one Music brings back some strong memories, Jeff. Yeah, so that's that was, what we're really learning That here. was your video game tie. What, what else was important to you in high school? Well, Jeff, video games aside, I also went to a couple school dances, I think, and <laughs> the one song, and it was a beautiful song, and it is one of my most memorable songs, and if if we're thinking of the high school movie, this is how the movie's gotta end, when you do get the girl, because when Enrique Iglesias starts in, <laughs> and, and he just whispers it in your ear. Oh, it's so sultry. It's beautiful. And... If you were in high school at any time in the 2000s, you dance? of course you know Heroes. Oh, and it's it's it also mirrors what's happening at this time. You know, like you asking a girl to dance. Would you say yes if I asked you to dance right now? And then she's she's going to say yes because it's my movie. And then we just dance into the sunset as this song plays us out. So wait, when you asked girls to dance at the last song, would they say yes, Cole? In real life. Um, I went to both proms with my girlfriend at the time. Oh, and so okay. she was like contractually obligated uh, to say of yes. Of course I'm going to dance with you, Cole. <laughs> You're my ride home. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's how it worked. So I didn't have – this isn't coming from like an actual moment. But if I'm building – the perfect movie moment that's the dance and that's a song that was important when i was in high school yeah that would play do you okay so the song that was always the last song of any dance especially during junior high school dances cotton eye joe do you no 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 the last song it's always Uh, a slow song i gotcha do you remember this song cole oh my life (laughs) I pay for someone like you. I think that I you. can't even hear the words. They're not even enunciated. So it just kind of sounds like Aaron Neville. That was a solid you know? Aaron Neville impersonation. <laughs> but it's not him. It's not Aaron Neville. I don't. Is it Casey and JoJo? Is that who it was? I don't know. Oh, Cole. Um, I but think, I mean, that sounded like you were doing "Everybody Plays the Fool" or something. No, but that's how I remember it in my mind. You know, we you just you talk about how we see things in our minds and how we remember them. And this is you know this is twenty year twenty plus years ago. No, not quite twenty years ago for me. But yeah, so we remember things differently. We like to paint things and remember them the way that we want to remember them. That's right. And for me, I am celebrating my tenth high school and like. What, reunion anniversary thing wow. graduation like this time 10 years ago i was getting ready to be a senior in high school yeah. last year and so all of this stuff kind of did bring back those memories for I'm, me i'm coming up on my 20 year reunion here i <laughs> want to do an, a little experiment here cole okay oh yeah. let's take a little break here and so do a little an experiment hero is a fantastic way to transition to this too because that song came out in 2001 jeff what were you doing in 2001 in 2001 not only was i graduating high school yep um, but I was certainly not listening to the songs that were popular back then. So I just want to see 
if you know these songs better than I do. We're just going to take a quick look at the Billboard year-end Hot 100 singles of 2001. Yep. See if I know any of them. I certainly know some of these artists, but I don't know many of these songs. Do you know the song Hanging by a Moment? Hanging by a moment here with you. There's nothing in the world. Okay. There's nothing else to find. Do you know who sings it? Uh, Lifehouse. Yeah, See, that's it. when you sing it, then I remember it. But There's nothing was, in the world. If I just look at these titles, I have no clue. So that was the number one song at the year end of 2001. Awesome. So do you know Fallen? I keep on falling in and out of love with you. Okay, I, that's vaguely familiar. Only like three octaves up because it's Alicia Keys. Okay, <laughs> how about... All for you. That one I don't. Janet Jackson. You said you're I, not. I do know familiar. Janet Jackson. Okay, but you're not. Okay. Um, drops of Jupiter. Tell me. Um, oh, Baxter's t- back in the atmosphere. Drops <gasps> of Jupiter in her hair. The only reason this is familiar hey, is because hey, hey, I was forced to sing it in public recently, <laughs> and I can't wait to tell you the story about that. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm real. Jennifer Lopez and Ja Rule. Oh, I mean, Ja Rule was in a couple of Fast and Furious movies. Okay. <laughs> if you're gone, let me blow your mind. Thank you again. And independent wom- women. Yes, definitely. I don't know I'm any surprised. of these songs. We're talking the turn of the century, though. I'm surprised NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, Spice Girls, Britney Spears. Oh, they were huge when that, I was in high that school. That was 2000, 2001. Huge. Wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. So just to give you an idea, Cole and I are doing our high school soundtracks, and clearly none of these songs were on mine because I don't even know them. <laughs> I Yeah, I am surprised you didn't have a boy band or two, at least, just, oh, no. just to represent your no, era, Jeffrey. No, no, you can't do that, or you can't admit that you like them anyway. But speaking of guilty <laughs> pleasures, there is one band that I'm convinced it's it's everybody, one of everybody's guilty pleasures, like... Everybody, even if they won't admit it openly, everybody secretly loved Ace of Bass. Yes. I saw the sign, uh-huh. and all that she wants is another baby. A guilty pleasure from my high school era was probably uh, high school musical. Now, at the time, I was a dude, and I was way too cool for it. But <laughs> I have since looked back and kind of been able to enjoy the Disney Channel original movies. I, When I was in high school, all three high school musicals came out. Glee had just come out. Like yeah. It was this perfect time for music in high school, I think. Um, and I was just too busy trying to be cool to appreciate how cool that was. Yeah, the, I was a little too old by the time those came along. But uh, I mentioned I I always tried to create big movie moments. Um, But as I was getting ready to graduate, I thought, you know what? This is it. I'm going to act. I'm going to be in movies because I was on top of the world acting in every high school play that I could do. I was in jazz choir, so I was singing my heart out. So I started to write a screenplay that ultimately only ended up being about 20 pages long, never finished it. Most of the stuff that I did in high school, yeah, that I dreamed up, I just did not finish, right? Never yeah. came to fruition. Sorry, you had dreams. Right. But there were a couple of songs that would have appeared in this movie. I even made a trailer for this movie <laughs> that spoofed uh, a scene from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And we showed the trailer at one of the high school. This was after I had graduated. I'm sorry. After I had graduated, they showed my trailer 
before one of the plays that they were doing. And uh, two of the songs that would have been on here, this is one of them that, Cole, this is the most modern song that would have been on my soundtrack. Okay, let's see if I recognize it. Vaguely familiar. So this is early 90s. So this is when I was about 9, 10 years old. But I envisioned this character in the movie that was always in some sort of a, a race with the main protagonist. And this character has no dialogue. He just always, you could always tell that there was going to be a race because you could always hear this song starting to pan up as he's pulling up next to the main character. And no dialogue. He's just this wacky character that is like really into the song. I think I was <laughs> heavily, writing this these scenes, I was heavily influenced by Better Off Dead, which basically had the same bit in that movie. Uh, sure. Where you had like the, the Asian guys that are doing their Howard Cassell impersonations and like commentating the drag races that they were having. So that was one scene. Another scene that never came to fruition but was in the movie, the movie, quote, yes. was the, the culminating scene. You see – I start out uh, in the movie – in the principal's office, and you think this whole time I'm in big trouble. But no, really, you find out toward the end of the movie, I've been waiting in the in the principal's office the whole time, ready to go out to the quad and serenade this girl that I've been pining for the entire time. And this is the song that I would have come out to. Built up to me, bursting out of the door. And of course, like any other sappy high school romantic movie, she would have just fallen head over heels with me. And uh, yeah, people would have eaten it up. Didn't happen in real life, and the film was never made. But the dream remains, Cole. See, those sappy moments are cool, but the moments I remember from the high school movies are when everyone's just kind of in the car, riding, listening to what's on the radio at the time. You know, whether you're going to the bowling alley or going to the skating rink or just driving to drive, the the kind of jams that you were listening to then are definitely something that I need to include in my high school movie because this is something that I did. And, and our song of choice whenever we were doing this is definitely something you can bob your head to cuz every time we touch i get this feeling and every time we kiss i swear i could fly and both of us are doing it right now it was just instinctive cole you're right every time i touch by cascada um is this a like a cover is this like a house cover of it or something this you know what? I have no idea. I have heard a slower version of this song, but okay. I'm pretty sure this house version like came first. This is the version that was popular. This is what I was listening to. Yeah. And it's it's a head bobber. A band that I heard just too much of when I was in high school is one called Lady Antebellum. Uh, okay. I started I've been is working that country it's it's kind of country. Okay. It's modern country if you want to count it as country. Um 
I started work. I've been working at a radio station since I was 16 years old, Jeffrey. And nowadays I work here at a talk station. We get to talk about movies and there's talk about news and weather and whatever. The first station I worked at was an adult contemporary station. Okay. And the way they described that to me was this is what your mom's listening to six months after everyone else was listening to it. (laughs) Things also stick around on adult contemporary because once people get used to it, they want to hear it over and over. And when you work at a radio station, you notice when things get played over and over. And so just my least favorite song, maybe ever, um, one that's still just, it makes me cringe. I heard it on the radio so, so often, was Need You Now, here by Lady Antebellum. Um, In 2007-2008... I heard it once an hour, but at least. Aren't there covers of this in movies, too? Like, oh, I I'm swear sure. I've heard this, it heard was, this in movies. It was the biggest deal when it came out. There was a reason we were playing it once an hour. It's because everyone loved it, except for the guy that had to hear it once an hour. Can I just point out a sad fact? You said that basically the moms are six months behind the curve. With my music, I was like 40 years behind the <laughs> curve, Cole. That's true. <laughs> yeah, at least this was a current song that happened. And so whether I was in a car um, listening to something by choice or if I just had my radio station on and had heard Nails on a Chalkboard because it was the 50th time I'd heard the song that day, those are some of the songs that were in my car when I was in high school. Oh, man, Cole. I, a lot of these really could have been considered a soundtrack that I would pop into my CD deck because I made a lot of mixed CDs in high school. A lot. And a lot of them featured songs of the oldies. And I talked about this whole time, I talked about dreaming up these big movie moments that I wanted to have, usually involving a girl, but not always. This last one, I saved the most epic one for last, and it certainly did involve a girl. It involved the girl that I was chasing my entire high school career, and that even extends back to my junior high school career when she came to South Junior High School. I was in eighth grade. She was in seventh grade. And I was in love with her from seventh grade until I graduated high school. And uh, I won't say her name to protect the innocent. Um, But my junior year of high school, I decided I was was the first time I could invite somebody to prom because you could when you were a junior. Mm -hmm. And she was a sophomore. So you can go to prom as long as you're invited by a junior or a senior. I decided I was going to make her fall in love with me and do it in front of the entire school. So, With the assistance of music. Of right. Course. I decided I was going to serenade her in front of the entire school, but I didn't want to get in trouble for it. So I went into the vice principal and I said, I'm here. I'm a member of the spirit committee, which was true. And I think it would be a great idea if we had the band play at lunchtime in the quad. And her eyes beamed and she said, I agree. That would be fantastic. That would be a great thing to do during the spirit or during spirit week. So I rubbed my hands together and, and in my best, His Mr. Evil Burns, plan is coming yeah, together. Excellent. And so I went to the band and I said, listen, you guys, I want to sing to this girl. I need you to help me by playing. And if you do this for me, I will uh, give you all the tacos you want. All you can eat tacos on me. So I started, As a former band member myself, I yeah. would have said, yeah, sure, Jeff. I started rehearsing with them, and I had a friend that uh, took my sheet music that I went out and purchased from a music store, 
and he ran it through this machine, and he printed out all the other parts for the other instruments. This was going better than expected. So while I was rehearsing, I needed to ensure that she wasn't going to be asked by somebody else. So I went to another friend, and I said, can you invite her to prom as your date? And then at the last minute, can you say, I can't go with you? Make up some excuse as to why you can't go with her. And so he did, and she was excited to be going to the prom. Everything was going perfectly to plan. And really, nothing went nothing went wrong. It only went even better than expected. The band, if you go back and watch the video, didn't sound fantastic. But everybody somehow caught wind that this was going to happen. So people just started forming in the quad. And it was this big group of people showing up to hear this band that, you know, was a high school band. Mm -hmm. And they played one or two songs to throw off any suspicion that this friend of mine might have had. But the girl's sister shows up at the school, too. And she's like, whoa, this is kind of weird. And because she wanted to be there. And there's another surprise visitor that I'll get to in just a minute here. But just the song just before Can't Take My Eyes Off You, which is the song that I did end up singing, my friend who had asked her to prom turned to her and said, oh, um, I had originally asked this other girl to go, and now she says she can go, so I'm going to go with her. So there was like a moment of, I, you big jerk, I can't believe you did that. And to my friend's credit, he was willing to do that, and my hat's off to him for that. Then you hear the opening notes of, and on tape, you can see but her played by a marching band. Right. On tape, you can see her turning to her sister and saying, oh, I love this song. And then I'm up in the wings on the second story, so you can't see me. And I start singing, you're just too good to be true. And then at a certain at the second verse, I emerge and go to the balcony and all the girls just start going crazy. And then at the point where Frankie Valley says, can't take my eyes off you, I decide I'm going to point to this girl that I'm going to ask. This is the only snag that I hit. I couldn't find her. <laughs> I was had been looking for her the entire time, could not find her. So I just blindly pointed. I found out later that I pointed right at her. Beautiful. I make my way down Fate. the stairs and I go down to where she's standing in this in the middle of this group of people and I, another, you know, tender mercy we'll call it and something I had not planned on, the crowd parted on their own because that by this time they knew who it was I was going to ask and they parted and it was a path right to her. Got down on my knee, asked her. She said, "Yes." Everybody went nuts. And uh, the the surprise visitor that I did not mention, when I worked my way down the stairs, somebody else had heard that I was doing this. My mother, who worked at the junior high school down the street, wanted to be there as well. But she didn't know where to position herself. I don't think she Follow wanted... Follow the crowd of people, Mama Jeff. Right. She didn't want... I don't, I don't. Maybe she didn't want to seem uncool by hanging out with all the... She didn't want to make me look bad. So she hid somewhere... You were doing a good enough job she on hid, your own. She hid on the stairs, not knowing that I was going to be working my way down the stairs. She didn't want to be seen. So she... On the video, you can see my mom just like hunched down in this corner, not wanting to be seen. But I walk right past her and I did not even see her. When it happened. So it's because you were laser focused at the time. The plan worked. It worked as far as her saying yes and the entire school being there and loving every minute of it. 
But she didn't fall in love with me, Cole. Sad. That's why the high school movie ends before the not-so-happy ending. It ends at that high note. Right. I got maybe more of the 16 Candles version of the happy ending. That's all right. Well, whether you were a a high school drama ham or just a group of high school losers headbanging in a car, there's a high school movie for you and, and a high school soundtrack out there, too. Yep. And in the end, I got the girl, just a different girl. Right. Everyone's happy. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for our high school soundtrack discussion. I've got to go back and listen to some of these songs that were on yours, Cole. Those are those seems like they were important to you. And I've got a new soundtrack to check out as well. Yes. When we return, we're going to be reviewing a plethora of movies. That's up next on Screen Cleaning. You're just too good to be true. Can't take my eyes off Cole, put down your phone and we've got a show to do. Come on. Sorry, I got a little distracted. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, I wish I was playing Angry Birds 2 this time uh, Tuesday when I saw Angry Birds 2. When you were busy watching Angry Birds 2? Yes, because, well, let me just tell you why, Cole. Now, it seems silly to say this about a movie sequel to a mobile phone game app. Right? Seems silly to say what I'm about to say, but I expected more. (laughs) I expected more. Should have lowered those old expectations. Especially when I saw who the director was. It's this man named Thurup Van Orman, who's this gifted cartoonist, writer, and he's a voice actor. And the problem is, like most kids' movies these days, it suffers from a poor script. And just like the game... Most of the birds, or in this case, the jokes, they just don't land with accuracy. But I'm right. Kids won't mind because, you know, there are a bunch of cute birds and body references. But what about the parents? What is in it for the parents other than the movie theater popcorn, which I did enjoy while watching Angry Birds 2? There's a really disturbing trend that I'm seeing in kids movies these days. It seems like all the filmmakers have to do is throw in a bunch of 80s and 90s songs and references, and that's the most effort they put in to win over the parents, right? Uh, This parent didn't really care for that. And there are an obscene amount of 80s and 90s songs thrown into this movie, like more than I've ever heard in a movie before. So let me just tell you the plot really quickly. The exploits of Red, who's voiced by Jason Sudeikis from the first film, have elevated his status from loner to hero. And he's loving, absolutely loving the attention. So much so that when foe Leonard, who's voiced by Bill Hader, wants to team up to fight a more sinister threat, voiced by Leslie Jones, Red is reluctant because it means he'd have to share the spotlight with somebody else. Now, this the film's message of learning to work as a team, it's all fine and good, but it's much more effective in so many other better kids' movies. Think of Trolls or really any, any of the Lego movies because that's the plot of every Lego movie. But yeah, there you have it. That's my review of 
Angry Birds 2. I mean, the cast at least started off strong, and along with those names that you mentioned, it's got Rachel Bloom, Aquafina, Sterling K. Brown, Peter Dinklage, Pete Davidson from Saturday Night Live, Nicki Minaj, Maya Rudolph from Saturday Night Live, Tiffany Haddish. It has the kid Dustin from Stranger Things, Gatton Matsuzabazaro. It's not enough. (laughs) It's not enough. You get the sense that they wrote the script and they made the actors stick to it like glue. And as opposed to letting them riff and come up with something that's much funnier. Interesting. Yeah. As we sometimes do for our review segment, we invited in Rod Gustafson, formerly of Parent Previews and a movie reviewer from Canada for many, many years. <laughs> Welcome, Rod. Hi. I, I just have to say, Jeff, the first Angry Birds was the first time I was in one of those fancy theaters with the recliners. Oh. I was, I was out at the 20-minute mark. <laughs> oh, lucky you. <laughs> it wasn't good. <laughs> So not a big surprise to you that the second one didn't live up to it. I'm not surprised. So you didn't see Angry Birds 2, but you did see another film that is out in theaters. Yeah, Brian Banks. I I saw the – this was the thinker of last week. And this is one of those movies that's really – it exists to try and put some light on on an organization. And in this case, an organization that um, I think is really important. It's called the California Innocence Project. And Mm. – and there's a person in this movie that's played by Greg Kinnear, Justin Brooks, who was the founder of the California Innocence Project. And what they do is they work to they, – they help investigate uh, people who have been incarcerated where the evidence is pretty sketchy. And yeah. they will take on these projects. They haven't done – when you look at the amount of effort that goes into this I, – I, I should have this number, but I think in the closing credits they've, they have – managed to uh, have about 70 people released from jail in the last 20 years that they've been working on this. It's a long, hard process. But this movie is about a guy by the name of Brian Banks. And when Brian was in high school, uh, he was looking like he was going to be the next NFL superstar. Mm. He was already being picked at 16 years old as being uh, an up-and-comer and everything else. And so he figured he he really had a big a big shot at the big leagues. And uh, But anyhow, one day at school there's a girl and the two of them uh, get into a little bit of trouble, a little bit, that's what's important, in a stairwell, you know, some fondling and that type of thing going on. And then he decides, he's thinking, what am I doing? This is not a good thing to be doing. So he leaves. But the girl cries rape, and she says that she Mm. has been raped. So he gets put in prison. And, of course, the football career is, is totally destroyed. So the California Innocence Project takes this on. And this is a story of what happened. But the story is much more about Brian Banks and about as he worked through this process and while he was in prison, he meets a man by the name of, um, he meets a man who is played by Morgan Freeman. And of course, any advice Morgan Freeman's voice gives you, you, you're going to listen (laughs) to. And this really, this changes his life. And what happens, the part I really loved about this movie is how Brian learns to forgive and how this forgiveness quality of him allows him to move forward with his life, and I won't give away the whole ending here, but uh, by the time you get to the end of the movie, the career 
and and his his incarceration that that was um, false is the wrong word but you know he wasn't supposed to be in jail that's what they discovered that they really had no evidence on this and all of that seems secondary to what's happened to him as an individual and mm. i love movies about forgiveness i really it's love those films yeah where where you see people who are who are able to and that's basically the advice that was given to him in prison was all you've got control of is how you react to a situation so great film uh, great family movie uh, except for two sexual expletives so just watch mm. out a little bit of language that really didn't need to be in there that's why it's got a PG-13 <laughs> rating okay so Brian and Banks based on a true story based on a case, truth yeah. thank you as yes. you mentioned before it's based on the actual mm-hmm. California and Brian Project Banks and... yes based on the true story and of course we see the the actual photographs at the end and everything. Yeah. It's a very touching movie. Beautiful. So, Cole, you saw a movie that was not based on true life, but it was based... Based on a book. On a book. Yeah. The book, Where'd You Go, Bernadette, is an interesting put-together book. It's it's kind of like World War Z, if you've ever read that versus not watched the movie, where it's it's these entries into a journal or things like that. Where'd You Go, Bernadette is put together in that way where it's letters or it's texts and it's emails. Uh, the movie presents it like a conventional movie. Uh, we mentioned before, this is di- this is the one directed by Richard Linklater. Um, not his normal, uh, either screwball, <laughs> wacky Jack Black <laughs> comedy with Bernie or School of Rock. Also not his normal just slice of life before sunset, before sunrise, yeah. before midnight. It didn't take boyhood. It didn't take fourteen years to film this. <laughs> right. This is this is probably Richard Linklater's most conventional film, but I really, really enjoyed it. It stars Kate Blanchett as Bernadette, uh, this artist, this kind of architectural artist that had a wonderful earlier in her earlier on in her career time. But we've jumped into the story midway through this lull where she kind of grew up, she got married, she had a family, and she just hasn't been artistically motivated recently. And she's kind of started to take that out on the neighborhood or take it out on her environment. And the real message of this movie is that artists need to art. They need to create. Mm. They need to be out there. It's a very Hollywood kind of a mm. message. Artists gonna art, 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 art. art. <laughs> That's kind of what it comes down to. But it's surrounded by this really interesting dynamic between her and her family. I mean, her, her marriage is kind of falling apart because she just hasn't had any motivation recently. She hasn't been inspired recently. And so, you know, everything around her has fallen apart. Her husband kind of thinks she needs therapy, which, I mean, arguably she probably does. <laughs> she keeps pushing back. If Kate Blanchett is in it and is playing a character that is probably going to need mm-hmm. therapy. She's, yeah. But She's... she is fantastic. <laughs> the acting is phenomenal. And, and the story really does come down to that family and what they're mm. doing in a time of kind of transition where they could go one way. The, the daughter is about to go into high school and she's considering boarding school. And, and you know, the family is just at this crossroads where it all hinges on what's going to happen during the course of this movie. And... It turns out all right in the end. Wow. It's wonderful. So there's one more movie that we want to talk about, and this is kind of a glaring omission in the movies that that should have been seen by Rod and myself, but just haven't. Huh. Huh. I've I've been been meaning to watch watch that. that. Wow. You guys are incredible. (laughs) The choreography. 
So if you are keeping score at home, last week Rod and I agreed to watch The Godfather, that 1972 winner of the Best Picture Oscar, among several others. It actually it only won three Academy Awards, and mm. yet is considered Which is why the Oscars don't matter. Is considered yeah. the second greatest movie ever made, according to the American Film Institute. Right behind yes. probably the other Godfather. Right? No, Citizen behind Kane. Citizen Kane. Right. Godfather Two is. I don't even know if it's in the top ten. I don't know. I'll have to look that up. But yeah, I don't know that it is. Rod, what what were some of your initial thoughts of The Godfather? I, you know, it was it was really engaging. Here's my problem when I watch movies. <clears throat> this is my confession. I get so distracted by the photography. I, I love <laughs> looking at movies even more than I love watching them. And this one, the photography was extremely, the cinematography, of course, was extremely distracting. Looking at the sets, looking at the, the film stocks that they chose to shoot this with and the lenses that they chose. And, and just there are many moments in this film that really are a painting. But the story was, the story was really engaging as well. Now, and, and I just feel this need to do that for from uh, I bring this up, I know every week about watching movies from a parent's perspective for a quarter century. This is it, an R rated yeah, movie. Don't, it's yeah. an R rated movie. R rated from 1972, and you, you know, movie ratings change a lot. And uh, so, by today's standards, there are a lot of reasons this probably wouldn't be an R, but there's still one or two really big reasons it would be. So, you know, yeah, this is not one that we're endorsing that you should sit down with the kids <laughs> and watch, but you understand why. This movie is as important as it is and why I must have seen like, I don't know how many movies that are takeoffs. And oh, yeah. I think you hit on a key point there. I honestly don't feel like we would have a lot of the prestige TV that we see today if it weren't for The Godfather. Because really because, The Sopranos is what kicked off right. what we have nowadays. When I was watching it, I got this feeling of this is prestige movie. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, we talk about prestige TV a lot, but this is prestige movies. And um, it was so much fun to finally see, to, to piece together all of these scenes that I'd heard quoted throughout my life or that I'd seen yes. little snippets of. Finally, to see it all in one big movie. And big yeah. is a key word here. The yeah. horse head in the bat. Yeah, in the absolutely. Bed, finally makes sense to you. Right. Yeah. And this is an epic, epic movie. And I've told you before, Cole, I love movies that are epic and epically long if they're good. And boy, mm. oh boy, is, is this a long? good movie. Three hours. Oh, a <laughs> and it's good. Yeah, three hours on my Blu-ray at least. But I was thinking about Zootopia a lot watching this movie. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. It's one of my favorite Godfather yeah. but rip-offs. I, I, as soon as I finished it, I was sad that it was over. I wanted to go out and read the book. I can't wait to, to watch, sit down and watch the second one, which is even longer. And many people say it's even better than the first one. Rod Gustafson, we want to thank you so much for being on the show once again. We turn to you in our time of need. We needed no. you to go see Brian Banks, <laughs> just like you needed me to see Angry Birds too, so you didn't have to. And this way, I can still be a film critic because I've seen The Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> you got your reputation back, Rod. <laughs> so none of the movies we reviewed this weekend are expected to do much at the box office, but when we return, we want to talk about the movies that are doing quite well and see how, Cole, how well Cole and I are doing in our little wager that we've got going on when we talk about our big summer movie box office report. That's up next. 
We've been talking music all day, and Jeff, this is my favorite song we get to play on screen cleaning. It's the summer box office blockbuster report. I bet it is your favorite song, Cole Wissinger, because you seem to be doing pretty well on your top ten uh, list. Yeah, yeah at the summer, at the <sighs> beginning of the summer, seems so long ago now that summer was starting. Uh, Jeff and I predicted which 10 movies would be at the top 10 at the end of the summer. We're starting to get a clearer picture of that. Uh, and we don't want to spend too much time talking about the current top 10, which we normally do because the current top 10 is pretty much going to be the top 10. And we've only got a couple weeks left before we close the door on this Neither box of us think report. that Angry Birds 2 are going to sneak up no. in there? All right. No. Well, Fast no. and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw had its second straight week at number one last week. Scary stories to tell in the dark. A... A scary movie that I enjoyed uh, came in second, just edging out Lion King in its fourth week in the box office. And another newcomer, Doran Lost City of Gold, was also in the top five. We don't think any of those are exactly going to crack the top ten for the summer, but good weekends, good showings. Can I take my seven-year-old to Dora and the Lost City of Gold? I think so. It's appropriate. I really did love it. Can my five-year-old enjoy it? Sure. She'll learn some Spanish. All right. Well, Cole, they already speak Spanish constantly at my house. It all sounds like, what is this? That's gibberish. It's a different language. No, 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 Cole. It's Spanish, according to them. (laughs) Anyway, we should probably also mention the fact that uh, at number 10 is Toy Story 4, which officially became the fifth Disney movie this year alone. To cross a billion dollars at the worldwide box office. With Frozen 2 and a Star Wars to come, Disney having an okay year. It's insane. And yeah, I mean, here in the States alone and in Canada, made over it's made $421 million. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to give them some more of my money, Cole. <laughs> but there is one more movie that we do want to talk about. And you're going to have to look a little harder for it, which is why we are placing it squarely in our Panning for Good segment. There's good in them dire hills. <laughs> Cole, what do you think would be the premise of a movie called The Peanut Butter Falcon? Um, a sandwich and a bird go on a romp <laughs> through the desert. Uh, you, you're getting hint, You're getting elements of it, right? Okay. You know, I purposely told my wife the plot of the movie before I told her the title. My wife is notorious of hearing the movie's title alone and saying, that eh. sounds dumb. Like I told her, I, oh, I saw it. That sounds ridiculous. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I told her the plot, and it is a good one. It's, it's not anything necessarily new. But first off, I want to mention that this is a film that is being praised and talked about for its uh, inclusion. It had a hard time getting financing for the movie because it's about uh, a man with Down syndromes or Down syndrome. And the filmmakers wanted to have it star a man with Down syndrome. Right. So for that reason, they had a hard time getting financing for it. But uh, it's it's basically being compared to Huckleberry Finn because you have this man with Down syndrome whose dream it is to go and meet his wrestling idol. And then you have this man that's kind of on the run, played by Shia LaBeouf. The two meet and they create this – they form this bond and this friendship and they save each other's lives and they go on all these adventures. So it's very much like a Huckleberry Finn. Finn. Maybe not as – eventful as that but it has an amazing cast shia labeouf dakota johnson thomas hayden church bruce dern 
John Bernthal, John Hawks, a lot of Oscar-nominated actors. And it's so funny. It's it's very inspiring, and it's so heartwarming, Cole. This is one of the best films I've seen this year, and one that you've really got to do some digging online. Go out and find this. This It's not your typical summer blockbuster right? that's going to be in four different screens in the megaplex you gotta dig a little deeper but and th- yeah this is the entire reason we do the panning for good segment is for movies like this and we mentioned all the great actors you can't get out of this conversation without mentioning zach gots again it's either gots again or got sagan he is a man with downs who just kills it in this movie he is the heart of this movie and you're going to fall in love with him as well as falling in love with this movie Fantastic. The Thanks, peanut, Jeff. The Peanut Butter Falcon. Peanut Butter Falcon. We'll say it several more times so that you'll know what it is and you can go look for it online. Google it, find it, go see it. That's going to do it for this episode of Screen Cleaning. We're here each and every week on BYU Radio at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, and we'll see you next week.